This podcast is brought to you by the Specialty Produce Network. Welcome to Growing a Food Movement with Very Good Food. I'm Jessica Waite. And as always, I want to say a big thank you to Specialty Produce for having us here today. Um, this is awesome in this amazing studio. With me in this amazing studio, I have the folks from Homestead Solana Beach, who I am so excited to be learning more about today. I want to hear all about their story, how they got started, and um, all about the delicious food that they've been whipping up. So first of all, I'm just going to ask you guys to introduce yourselves and then also maybe tell us a little bit about how you got started. For sure. I'm Marie Braun. I'm Jamie Braun. Hi, guys. Yeah. Hello. Uh, yeah, we got started um, – actually, we've been in the restaurant industry for a pre- predominantly our adult life. So we've grown up in the industry. We're industry pirates. We've mm-hmm. done – pretty much every job in the restaurant industry. So we've kind of grown up in food. But our business together started uh, back in 2005, and we started mm-hmm. doing event planning together. Awesome. Um, and we we did different events, and we both still worked in restaurants. And then in 2012, we started our catering business, which is called Root Cellar Catering. So that's kind of how we got, like, our foot off the ground in our own mm-hmm. business. And then just recently, last year, we got the opportunity to open our first restaurant, which is Homestead Solana Beach. So awesome. that's kind of like where we started our, our food journey in San Diego, for sure. I didn't realize that that was so fresh. So yeah. 2012 was Root Cellar you yep. started, and then just the last year for Homestead. Right. Yeah, we just celebrated one year on November 18th. Woo, congratulations. Yeah, we, <laughs> made it. we made it. That's awesome, you guys. That's yeah. hard. And yeah. for those of you listening who don't realize how hard that is, especially as a startup, a small team, you know, just kind of that grassroots mom and pop thing, it's it's really challenging, and a year is a huge success. So congratulations. Thank, Thank you. you. Um, Thank you. What are your perspective, respective <laughs> roles? What, what do each of you do? within your I mean I'm sure you wear lots of hats but like where do you hang um I mean I'm I'm the chef so um that's I concentrate mostly on the food um I'm really really obsessed with with food uh (laughs) and making good food and um you know we started Root Cellar as she said in 2012 and I was always front of the house um and had bartended, had served, had dishwashed, had done every job except for cook. Um, and I'm kind of a product of the Food Network movement. When it, when I was going through the the uh, restaurant industry, on my off time, I would be at home l- watching Food Network by myself <laughs> That's in awesome. the mid-20s. Like when I'm supposed to be out partying, like yeah. writing down recipes. And then whoever I was, you know, hanging out with at the time, I would go to their house. I would spend all of my money on food. And go to their house and cook food, and everybody was always like, "You, you got to be, you got to get to the back of the house." And I'm like, "No, I can't. I want to bartend. I want to make the cash. You know, I yeah. want to be up front. I want to talk to people." 
Um, and so I never did it until I got out to San Diego and met her and worked at Jake's in, in Del Mar and be, befriended like three or four chefs and started cooking with them and started to realize that I wanted to do this a little bit more uh, and met Marie and started cooking a little bit more and realized that this is probably the direction I want to go to uh, and ended up um, cooking for a, one of the parties that we had planned for uh, where their caterer fell through. Um, and I did it last minute uh, out of our home for 80 people. I'll never <laughs> forget it. That's uh, crazy. And it, and it, went, <laughs> off, it awesome. went off without a hitch. And wow. my, like, my epiphany went off. And I was like, this is, this is where we want to go. Um, and I was like, but what I want to do is something different. I really care. Everything I've learned, everything I've studied is from, from like Emerald Lagasse on the Food Network to French cuisine. It's all about the sourcing of ingredients. Absolutely. And without, without that, nothing really matters. Mm-hmm. And this was, this was before it was hashtag farm to table. Yeah. Like this was yeah. before really like as a consumer, like a normal everyday consumer, you mm-hmm. even thought – about it wasn't in your sphere of yeah. we have to go to the farmers market like let's let's turn over the package and look at the back of the label mm-hmm. like it was before any of that and it was just starting and it was just really getting traction like mm-hmm. Brian Malarkey was still just Brian Malarkey like yeah. you know what I mean like it wasn't like it wasn't like it hadn't come down to Southern California yet it really mm-hmm. hadn't like taken roots where just everyday people were were talking about like what are you putting in your body and where are you getting it from or or you know hashtag gluten free like none yeah. of that existed yeah. yet so it was what he was saying sounded really great uh-huh. But my brain was like, okay, how much is that going to cost? How much is that? Like, you want to buy how much? Which is the side she does. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. This is where the division begins. I can totally relate. (laughs) I'm in a very similar partnership, and it always is that. And that's why that balance, it's really awesome because it's such an important balance to have. Um, But you come down to San Diego, and you're in this area that has, like, such an incredible abundance of farms. It's really, I mean, it's exciting to know that that was part of your inspiration as you were kind of journeying into the back of the house. Absolutely. Twisty journey back right, there. and I was telling our our other a chef at the time that helped me. He's my was my original mentor, and I was telling him and Marie like, "Hey, look, I want to do the, I want to do everything from scratch. I want to do everything in house, and I want to sort. I want to get the best ingredients I can." And they're both just like, "We, what are you talking? No, that that cannot happen. <laughs> We're like, that sounds great, that, but, but it's we so have expensive. ten dollars. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah." No, yeah. but it it was fun, and what we did was uh, the journey that we took. Our food journey w- mm-hmm. was super interesting because we both still had to work in restaurants, uh-huh. and we both still had to hustle. And at the exact same time, we had a kid, oh, so gosh. it was like yeah, wow. we still had to. We played this like parking lot game where mm-hmm. like I would work in the morning, get off, and we'd meet in the parking lot of his mm-hmm. restaurant, and then we'd swap, uh-huh. and then he'd give me the kid, and yeah. then I'd go <laughs> the up. You know, like <laughs> it yes, was like kid has a name, but. yeah, yes. and he's fabulous, but. <laughs> No, it was it was so interesting because most during the day he'd be prepping, he'd be menu developing, he'd be doing stuff, he'd be costing, and then he'd go to our real job yeah. to like make you know our rent, and then we would swap. So it was it was really crazy. But what we did for so long was he would do the menu prepping, he would do the sourcing, he would create everything, and then the day of the event we would hire a chef from around town, like mm-hmm. an executive chef or a sous chef, um, several of our friends to come that day. So that's how we put him through culinary school was like on the job practical like right there learning so he would do everything and then we'd bring a professional in Mm -hmm. to like help us and make sure we didn't screw it up but most importantly (laughs) he would get advice and he'd talk to our different friends and 
at one point we were like, should we send you to culinary school? Mm-hmm. And I was like, babe, like, you've cooked for 250 people mm-hmm. on a night. Why are we going to send you somewhere to cook on a hot plate? Yeah. Like, what is what is the point? And so that was the decision we made. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, so far, so good. It's kind of worked That's out. awesome. Yeah. <laughs> and it's been pretty fun because every kind of mentor or chef that I've, that I've worked with, they all have different, you know, some are very type A and all into the, like, perfect little cuts and, and all that stuff and the presentation of everything. And then another one is all about big flavor. And it's like the development of flavor and the plating of the dish isn't really that big deal, big of a deal. Like I just want it to be down home and taste mm-hmm. good. And, and all these different elements of chefs that I've worked with have made it so that I have got different, different styles of cooking. And then I've been able to develop my own. Like what do I think is most important in the cooking world, you know, and what, what's most important to me and, you know, and what's most important to me is, you know, food that just makes you feel good. It's, it's not complicated. You know, it's, it's, you take it very seriously where you source it, how you prepare what you sourced. And then you realize that it's just a bowl of beans and then we're hanging out Uh that, that, that we're, we're not, we're not doing brain surgery here. We're just, we're trying to make everybody forget about life a little bit and enjoy a bowl of beans (laughs) together. But before that, you you make it seem like it's effortless by mm-hmm. putting so much work on the back so end. So much love, so much right. work. And then also, like, going back to those ingredients, um, I don't know if it was Alice Waters or someone who said basically when – I think it was Alice Waters when she was starting out and doing the – you know, bringing the local farm food to the table – she said it wasn't so much about a movement or a statement. It was about taste. Yes. It was about those ingredients are the best tasting ingredients. And, right. you know, and I think that's something that, you know, it's like this, I mean, it's not a secret, but, it, you know, it's it's a, almost like a, a hidden strength that a chef can have when they understand that the best ingredients that they can put on that plate are very often, not always, but very often going to be the ones that are coming from their own backyard, you know, or region. The most humble. By right. a region. Exactly. Right. That's yeah, beautiful. and I, I think when we when I first started the farm table, I didn't quite conceptualize that, and you know I'm still learning it every day. I mean, I learned it last week when I had got these heirloom beans compared to like a canned bean, and like <laughs> yeah, make, cook these beans off. Or for the Very Good Foundation, we yeah. we did the Rancho Gordo heirloom beans, and like I literally just cooked them in salt and drained them, and were eating them, and like I could eat the flavor that's yeah. in them. With because of how high the quality is, you don't need to do a lot to it. You just need to cook it properly. Mm-hmm. And that's where I really – you really care about those ingredients. You need to just prepare them properly, and then you don't need to do too much oh, to yeah. them. You yeah, know? screw them up. Yeah. Right. Just don't, <laughs> just don't disappoint like, them. Yeah. Exactly. Don't disappoint them, right? I love that. Yeah. No, that's really true. And, you know, this idea of, like, showing reverence to our food is really important to me and being grateful for it, but just respecting it enough to just – honor its flavor. Get out of you its know? way. Exactly. That's really what it is. I think that's huge. Now, I, I love that you were talking about mentorships because I think that's, I mean, I'm sure you, as you learn too, in any situation when you dive into something you've never done before, you know, you can go to online classes or you can do all these different things, but finding the people who have made the mistakes before you mm-hmm. and learning from their journeys is so huge. Um, what was that like for both of you as you started kind of this journey through catering and then eventually leading up to a restaurant, you know, working, you said, with other chefs? Were there people that mentored you and inspired you in the community? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we we take a lot of stock in where we came from. So, like, in the restaurants that we've worked in and things like that and the people mm-hmm. that we've met. So, like, even to this day, like, some of the relationships that we've made in restaurants are our best friends, are our family. Mm-hmm. And and we talked about our, our first son. His name is Aiden, actually. <laughs> we call him Bubba. <laughs> the kid. And he, the yes. kid. And he is fabulous. He's a little chef in training. I mean, yeah. we used to take him to the farmer's market in his little chef coat, you know, and he's just <laughs> rolled awesome. with us um, from day 
one. But uh, those were the people who helped raise our kid. Those yeah. are the people who helped raise uh, raise us. You yeah. know, and so. Even to this day, like, I'll have a bookkeeper question and I'll call the bookkeeper from, you know, mm-hmm. from TS Restaurants and be like, hi, Auntie, like, <laughs> hey, I need this. like, and, yeah. and so those relationships are so strong. And our industry, the food industry, mm-hmm. is so deeply connected with each other. And the more support we can give each other and reach out, the better all of us do. And the better, the, the bigger our industry grows. When we can really get behind each other, meet each other, support each other. And it doesn't have to be a scary thing. Like, if you just walk up to somebody, if you're in the same industry and like hey and you have a question like people are really open if you love this food movement mm-hmm. you're gonna find like-minded people everywhere everywhere you go you just mm-hmm. have to reach out and exactly and, and say something ask. and not be afraid to yeah. ask and we don't know all of the answers like we have like on paper the two of us have no business having yeah. started first of all a business <laughs> yeah. or a restaurant or a catering company or even looking to expand that you know yeah. little mini empire or whatever mm-hmm. but but we have a passion. We love what we do, and we we are uh, discovering the power of asking for help with mm-hmm. like minded people it's and huge. saying, you know what, this is what we want to do. This is the direction we want to go in. It seems like you like that too. Mm-hmm. How can we help each other? And exactly. I think that's the biggest thing. The biggest first step is is just reaching out for help and mm-hmm. saying, I want to go this direction. Mm-hmm. I care about this a lot. You seem to as well. Mm-hmm. How can we help each other? Yeah. And there's a huge amount of that in San Diego. And what are your thoughts? You look like you've got yeah, no, I, yeah. I mean, <laughs> He's I, like, yes, yeah, we yes. have a lot of thoughts. <laughs> no, I, yeah, I have a lot of thoughts for sure. No, I, I just I think that's right on, and I think you know the mentorship program is huge. I think, um, and you see it a lot more now with collaborations of chefs and restaurants taking over restaurants and beer companies taking over. Like you can mm-hmm. see that the community is starting to grow in that way, where it's not. You know, he works at this restaurant and he's a chef for there and that's all he does and he does this and he tries to like make – push that – just his genre of food mm-hmm. forward and you're seeing all these wonderful collaborations um, which makes it so that, you know, it's a more well-rounded community and people are supporting each other because it's a hard business. It's a really, really hard business it's to be grind. in. It's a lot of hours and it's a lot of stress um, and it's so subjective and if you're in it like I'm in it and I know a lot of chefs and people are in it who care about that much like I care so much I'm serving a chicken salad sandwich but I care so much about every ingredient that's in there and and it going to the person who's eating that chicken salad sandwich that I get so bummed when it's not right or it doesn't work and so I have to make sure it's an, it is right every single time and I yeah. I know a lot of people are that way um, and the mentorship program is is huge it, it was it was great for me I knew I had a uh, an, an idea that was different than all the mentors that I had they had their own things I knew I wanted to be a part of this this movement where you know the ingredients were the forefront and and were the most important thing and get like she said get out of their way and cook them properly and really get into the stories of who's making it for you which goes that next level of the taste is one and then you learn the story and it's so food is so connected to emotion that if you know the story and then you have a high quality ingredient the flavor it, you know it goes even further exactly. you know um so yeah we've had a wonderful support system 
Um, and I think it's, it's huge. It's helped us grow and it's helped us get to where we are right now for sure. That's awesome. Um, so much of what you said, I just love, I'm thinking about the name of this podcast, which is growing a food movement. And, you know, it's kind of this just kind of broad idea of what is this food movement, but I think, um, definitely in San Diego, so much of it is the synergy that comes from this really engaged, excited and passionate community of food people from fishermen to chefs to farmers and, you know, everyone who's involved, including scientists and others. Um, so, you know, I, I'm curious, you're, you're doing catering. Where did you get to the point? Now, I, I had a similar trajectory with my, you know, with my partner too. And you, you're catering and all of a sudden you get to this point where when did you really start thinking about doing a restaurant, creating a restaurant? So I think we've been trying not to open a restaurant uh-huh. for like the last <laughs> year. I, like, don't, I can't imagine why. Uh, we're like, oh, okay, we're going to have another kid. Oh, okay. Yeah. You know, we need to make ends meet. Okay, we're going to do this or we're going to grow. So we were offered restaurants. We put bids in on restaurants. Mm-hmm. We did all of this stuff for so many years. And then all of a sudden, we we started a farm, actually. Uh-huh. And awesome. we started uh, growing some food. And it was amazing. And it was um, – it was perfectly imperfect. Mm-hmm. Like we we had an idea of what our next ten years was going to look mm-hmm. like, and you know, for the very first time, we had a plan and a focus of like, okay, this is what we're going to do, mm-hmm. and then it all went like crazy and haywire, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden, we were like, okay, so the farm's done. You know, all of this stuff happened. We're like, okay, the farm's done. And at the exact same time, this sweet little restaurant came available, you know, at the end of Cedros Avenue in Solana Beach, tucked in where we could see all four walls, which was perfect for a new restaurateur yeah. of, okay, we know what's going on. We know how many seats we have. We have 48 seats and we can mm-hmm. manage that. And and at the exact same time, everything seemed crazy mm-hmm. that came available. And it was almost like... Now's the time. Yeah. And it just felt right for us. And even though we, you know, kind of halfway closed our eyes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, <laughs> let's do it. Um, we had wonderful support from our friends and our family. Mm-hmm. And we were just like, okay, the time's now. We're getting older. Our kids are old enough. They can wash dishes, you know, in the back if we need to. <laughs> um, and we just, we just kind of went for it and mm-hmm. had some blind faith and – um it's kind of worked out. But, yeah, throughout the journey from catering and, and beyond, which, to be fair, catering is some of the hardest business mm-hmm. you can do in this yeah. in this food industry. Like, we've set up kitchens in the middle of nowhere and, you know, no electricity, no running water. Like, we have to keep, you know, we're cooking on site, so we have to keep mm-hmm. our food fresh from wherever we go to there. Oh, yeah. And it is so, so difficult. So when we got into these little four walls, we were like— Wait, we we peel the rainbow carrot and it's mm-hmm. still there the next day. Uh-huh. Like we, just, <laughs> we don't have to throw there it away. Is like reassuring. The other yeah. thing with catering, I feel like, is it, it's almost that idea that you wake up unemployed every day because yeah. you're still waiting. Where at least with a, a restaurant, you start to get some consistency. There always is going to be an ebb and flow, but you can start to kind of actually see, like, yes, there will be people coming in. I have these clients that come back. You know, there's just kind of a little bit more consistency. Not a lot. Restaurants are terrifying. Yeah. You know, I yeah. know that. But um, so as you're, you know, you build your restaurant and then I. I know your sourcing practices are so important to you. And you did mention that, you know, from a very small scale, it was challenging working with local farmers. So how how was that for you? Like what what challenges did you face? Yeah, I, I just think, you know, because we don't have a huge amount of purchasing power, you know, and a lot of a lot of the places that you, you would want to get it from, you have to buy at such big volume and you're not going through that much. And so you don't want to waste. Um 
uh, it makes it very difficult. And then, of course, the farmers, you know, the personal relationships, you've, you've got to really delve into it and you've got to you got to take stock with them and they got to take stock with you. And, you know, then you can start. But it's expensive if you want if you want to do an organic farm and you want to source there if they're sourcing correctly for what they're giving you. Like it takes a lot of work for them. We just we like she said, we did it. So we, I understand fully which was a wonderful experience to understand how hard it really is. It's you say it is hard and to then run to, a farm, yeah. to watch yeah, it, but, but the beauty to watch it go from the seed mm-hmm. to done, you, you can experience that in a little home garden and, and the same thing on a bigger scale is just amazing. And so, yeah, so getting, wanting to get the best product um, and still be financial res- financially responsible for a business uh-huh. i think is the hardest part and it's to make sure make sure that the the farmers are making their money so they can pay for their family their kids their what their expenses and all that stuff and have have them be able to keep the cost low enough so that they can give you a fair enough price so that you can then charge a fair price so that you can sell it Exactly. And I think one of the biggest challenges, too, is that there's this ceiling, and we've run into that a lot in my own businesses. Like, there's only so much people will will kind of just be able to justify paying for something. And so it's really, you know, when we go out and spend, you know, $5 on a, you know, a latte, but then the idea that we can't spend $12 or 15 on something that was grown from scratch and made with love and all of the other things, there's kind of a discrepancy in what value is. And I do think that's changing. You know, there, uh, there, it is a shift, but it's happening, happening slowly. And for the people who are the early adopters, the people who are getting in there and trying to do it right from the start, and not compromising those values, it makes it really hard to run a business. Absolutely. And I think, you know, it. I think, you know, places like ours hopefully will be a, a springboard for that because, you know, if I go to a Michelin star restaurant or a high-end hotel and it's it's very f- fancy food and it looks with foams and, and sh- swirls <laughs> and all foams. that kind of stuff. Yeah, which, <laughs> hey, I have, <laughs> I have respect. Okay, I think they're creepy, but yeah. I, <laughs> I love them all. I study every – I love every part of it. It's just not what I do. It's not where my brain goes. But I know going in there, and a lot of people, the majority of the public knows going in there, you're going to pay a lot of money mm-hmm. for food, and you have that expectation. And generally, the people that go there can afford that, and it's all good. Now, if you do a cafe that's in a corner spot in a neighborhood and you're doing, like I referred to earlier, a chicken salad sandwich, but you're using Mary's Organic Chicken, you're putting tarragon. Making your own aioli from, like, organic eggs. Yeah, yeah, your aioli is made before that, a step before that with, with local eggs. You've got local apples in there. And all of this on a very humble looking chicken salad sandwich and then you have to charge, you know, twelve to fifteen dollars for it because of that, or whatever the price might be, and educate them that look at all the ingredients, look how hard I'm working yeah. to put this humble sandwich to you. Which you know? is why your foundation, I think, is it's just so important. We need to get education out there to just right. the everyday consumer. It goes beyond, you know, carrying your own bags into the grocery store. Mm-hmm. It goes beyond taking a trip to your local farmer's market, which is all amazing and it's a part of it. And our children see us do those kind of things. And I'm, we're so excited for the next generation because they've grown up in what we didn't have, exactly. what maybe our grandparents had or our parents had, but they're growing up and seeing this happen. And it's so important. So foundations like yours to get out the education of, hey, you know, it's not just those bigger players. It's also mm-hmm. your neighborhood spots. Mm-hmm. And before, you know, you're quick to say, oh, that might have been pricey. 
Take a second look at the menu and see what they're really doing, or ask these people personally. Completely. What are you doing? Connect with your local community. As we, so much is online and so much is at our fingertips. But if you just take a moment to ask the people behind the counter who they are and what their story is, you might find something unexpected and something that's really magical that you can connect with and be proud of in your own local community. Oh, completely. Everything you just said was completely gold, I think. Like that right there kind of sums it up. The idea of community supporting community, us coming together, the idea that that chicken sandwich is full of ingredients, and you look at great ingredients that are grown locally and regeneratively that have so much more nutrients and don't have a bunch of chemicals and haven't traveled all the way across the country and lost all of those nutrients that they may have you know gotten. And it's just the whole story is so important. And plus, like, when you talk about the Michelin experience or going to um, – And I've had some really great meals all over the world. But I think the best possible experience that I could have is one in which I connect with the people who are growing, producing, creating, and putting love into that food. And I don't know what you said earlier before we started. And it had something to do with creating energy within your kitchen and a chef that was doing something really cool. But the idea that energetically there's love and there's intention that goes into that food. And you can taste that. Like yeah. that's that's real. And there's real value to well, yeah, that. Well, yeah. And I, I think yeah. sourcing, that, I I, I think say, sourcing, yeah, sourcing, sourcing is not it, it, my next level of sourcing, which is interesting, is like it's also not just the farmer that you're sort like I can do everything I can as a chef and as an owner to seek out the best farms and get the best ingredients. Now, if I don't source the correct employees and the, you know, the right vessels, the right front of the house, people, all of that stuff. And I get all this wonderful food in and then I leave for the day or I'm not there or a chef isn't in a good mood that day or I didn't show him love or her love or they don't get the message it's all lost. Mm-hmm. You spent all this money. You spent all this time. You spent all this care. And a lot of attention is brought towards the sourcing of the ingredients. And I think the next movement is the sourcing of also the people that are serving these ingredients and making sure they're taken care of and they understand the movement just as much so that that chef that shows up when you're not there, you know, will he care as much as you do? I don't think anyone ever does as the mm-hmm. people that start it, but like they will understand I can't screw this up either. Completely. And the person on the the server on the front of the house can go out and serve it with a smile and serve it with, you know, integrity and and be stoked about what they're serving Completely. and be educated on what they're serving and how hard everybody from the dishwasher to the farmer to the people who came up with the idea everyone the entire community of the restaurant has kind of come together as well. Yeah. Yeah, and it, it's pretty much come full circle from our catering company because we used we have this thing like Root Cellar 360. So like from the for catering, the moment you even pull into the parking lot in a catering setting, as I'm sure you know, mm-hmm. eyes are on you. You're trying to get the next job, right? So like from when you show up, how you unload, how you load into their space, how you say hello to the security guard or or the hostess or like whatever else, you're on show from mm-hmm. that moment. And it's the same thing in the restaurant. When somebody comes in, you know, our our philosophy, our tag, hello neighbor. Mm-hmm. Like it's, I love that. It's, yeah. it's hello neighbor, welcome. And and there was not more proud of a moment for me mm-hmm. as a new restaurant person is when 
I came in for the first time and I wasn't working and I heard an employee go the moment somebody walked in, Mm -hmm. hi, welcome, how are you, Mm -hmm. thanks for coming in, like the moment they walked in. And I think that's such a rare quality and it's so important because you can source, you know, the best eggs and you can source the best lettuce and you can know your farmers, but if you don't source the right people or Mm -hmm. at least source people that care and then go ahead and give them that extra little bit of perspective and training to say hello neighbor, to say welcome, thanks for coming in and be grateful that somebody's walking into our establishment, somebody's paying our rent, Mm -hmm. somebody's coming in and helping us out as individuals. Like it's just so important to just do that kind of 360 full circle kind of thing. Completely, And having the staff that's passionate is and they're, they're spreading your message on the floor they're telling this story there's you know they're sharing that sense of community with anyone who walks in that door and that is so so important and that's you know that's winning right there that's getting people to come in and support your business because you know you're doing it right you know that it's not just your own you know financial um you know security or whatever it is it's it's moving your values forward it's it's bringing this you know this movement forward. And it's really important. Um, so question for you, we usually try to keep this about a half an hour. And, you know, I feel like every time I sit down at this chair, I'm like, wow, I could talk with you for like two hours because you're amazing. And we'll definitely make sure that everybody knows how to follow you and how to find you. Thank you. But um, I have a couple more questions. You know, first of all, like, what does your menu look like? We know you have a killer chicken sandwich at this point. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I, I'm a vegan, chicken and yeah, I still want, you know, that's sounding pretty amazing. Yeah. Chicken salad sandwich. Um, however, I would love to know a little bit more about the rest of your menu. What could, you know, anyone eat who walked in the front door? I, I think first and foremost, I make food that I like to eat. Mm-hmm. You know, it's very simple. I, 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 our menu's not huge. It's not overly complicated. You know, it is it is it's kind of cafe, down-home food. I grew up in Maine. Um, my mom made home cooking, you know, beef meals. Burgundy. Beef burgundy. <laughs> and, and, you know, it, it just, just stuff that it, it, it's not – it makes you feel good to eat. And, but I also – you know, the next part of this movement is what, what I really want, too, is I want – I know that everybody, like you just said, you're vegan. Um, she doesn't – eat much dairy. I have a gluten intolerance. The three of us might hang out and wanna, <laughs> might want to go eat somewhere. Yeah, and the hot. conversation these days a lot is very stressful and it happens in offices or whatever. Where's, where are we going to go for lunch? Well, Jim can't eat bacon, so we can't go there, you know? And I, I, I want to create a place that used to be almost a negative in restaurants, which, which is the special orders, mm-hmm. and create an op- almost an open environment so that you can come in and you're almost a nutritionist as the front of the house person or the chef or whatever, and you understand the the new diets, the ketos, the the you know paleo, all of that stuff. And you can come in and be okay that if if we know every all the ingredients that are, that is in our menu, mm-hmm. then we can adapt it and we can keep it pretty pretty you know open for people to come in and feel good. So you can come in as a vegan and say, hey, look, I'm vegan. What can I have? And we'll go through. We have this. We can special do this. We can do that. Now, of course, it's you know, if it's lying out the door, we gotta you, you gotta be a little bit. You gotta set but expectations. Like, but it's but, almost like people but, like people yeah. who come in and they say they're vegan. They're almost apologizing before yeah. they open their right. mouth. They're <laughs> yeah. like, okay, well, I don't know, but I'm so sorry, that. I'm yeah. vegan. And when we tell, oh, great, yeah, it their shoulders drop, oh, yeah, and they relax, and they're almost like, oh my god, thank yeah. you. And it's he wanted to create a space where everyone can eat. If you love short rib, we have the absolute best short rib 
ever. If you are vegan or you just want something light that day, we have an amazing organic salad. Like, there's so many we choices. We have that green bowl. That, yeah, so it's, it's, all, it's kind of all over the map. And I don't even know what my cuisine would be considered because I, you know, I lived in Vermont. I lived in Massachusetts. I lived, grew up in Maine, lived in Hawaii, lived in Tahoe. Um, have always gone, you know, gotten along with so many different types of people and studied every kind of cuisine. And I, I just like stuff that makes you feel good, like mm-hmm. the down home comfort yeah. food from every culture. I think every every culture has such good down home. So we have from like um, we have great salads. We have a grain bowl. Um, we have a two different types of burritos, but I have a bean and cheese burrito, but the bean and cheese is with three different types of beans and they're not refried. They're actually sauteed in ancho guajillo sauce and Swiss chard, um, with eggs. And if you're not vegan, uh, with (laughs) eggs and cheese and made into a burrito, we have another burrito that's got all kinds of root vegetables in it. Um, we've got that same root vegetables under a bed of mole. Um, so there's a little bit of Mexican influence with where we're from that I'm at the tip of the iceberg of how wonderful that cuisine is. And, you know, only being out here for 10 years or so, I, I haven't even, you know, scratched the surface of that. But then we have, you know, a pastrami kimchi Reuben, um, which is, you know, I love pastrami sandwiches, so I wanted to have one on the <laughs> well, menu. Well, I love kimchi. So. Yeah. And so we had so, kimchi in-house yeah. already. So I'm like, well, that kind of that kind of translates because, you know, Rubens already have the sauerkraut. So let's see if the, the kimchi actually works. Yeah. And, but but then we have fun. this incredible uh, – it's actually gluten-free, but we were – one of a uh, chef friend of ours came in the other day, had a waffle – And he said, uh, it says on our menu, brown butter, gluten-free waffle. And uh, we have to sometimes explain it to people Uh like that are like, oh, no, I I eat gluten. I don't. Uh And we're like, no, you don't understand. This Uh waffle is light. It's crispy. It's it's just so flavorful. It doesn't matter that it's gluten-free. And Uh we're almost apologizing for the fact that it is gluten-free. It just happens to be Uh, gluten-free, but it's amazing. So eat it. (laughs) So we had a chef friend come in and was like, I think you should take that out of the description Mm -hmm. and just put a small GF. Mm In there yeah. because you don't understand how good this waffle is. Yeah. Like you it don't can match up to away. any waffle. I totally waffle. understand that. Yeah. yeah, we we face the same thing. Not using vegan, we say plant based, and there's all different kinds of words that kind of turn people in one direction or another. And really, like it's just darn good food. Yeah. Like, right. <laughs> so right. we say humble comfort food, farm yeah. to table attitude. Oh, so like you can cute. understand. I want a high five. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> adorable. <laughs> you can understand uh, what it is you, when you read yeah. the words. You're gonna you get it. It is. But you know we work darn hard, and so yeah. did our farmers to get it on your plate beautiful That's yeah i want it awesome. to be familiar food that you know like you know this is a reuben you're going to taste the flavors of the reuben but then yeah. you're like but but it's somewhere else. There's we're somewhere yeah. else, and something's and then going on here yeah. at Homestead. Yeah. That's <laughs> right. so awesome. well, and that's you know my very last question. And to be brief, I think we probably should wrap up in the next minute or so. But where are you going? You have this catering company. You have this incredible restaurant that I'm so excited to get in there and actually eat <laughs> in. I've had your food, but just not there. But where? What do you see in the next you know five, ten years with your company? So what we're doing right now is really a, a call out to. Just the community. Like, Mm -hmm. places like ours need Mm -hmm. help. Mm -hmm. We need your awareness. We need your participation. Mm -hmm. We need your feedback. We need your support. We need butts in seats. Uh And we need you to, yeah, (laughs) we need you to come in and realize that these are real people Mm -hmm. behind what we're doing. We are real people. So are our employees. Like, we're all just trying to make a living. But we need you to come in and support places like us, too, because we are paying top dollar 
for the best ingredients, making it in a very humble way with not a lot of resources. Mm-hmm. So come in and support us. And from there, really the sky's the limit. Absolutely. It could turn into one downtown. It could turn into one uh, in our hometown in Lucadia. It could turn yeah. into one in Laguna Beach in L.A. And it can grow. And places like that grow when you have community support and community awareness. And that's what yeah. we're really looking for. Awesome. Well, I hope that in some small way, this podcast can be a part of growing that awareness, <laughs> growing the food movement. Sorry, get the little plug in there. Yeah. But, it, but it is true. And the more we talk about it and the more we support the people who are doing the right things, the more we can all be healthier and happier. And I think that's so awesome. Any any final last words? You just did knock it out on the table. <laughs> I think I this were, is the most I've talked in about twenty years. You know, so I had we're, a feeling, and you did amazing. And you guys are just so awesome. Uh, big shout pleasure. out to our kids, Bubba and uh, Brady. Oh. Love you guys. It's all for you. And thank you, Specialty. <laughs> Yeah. And thank you yes. very much for Specialty having us. Produce is rad. Yes. Thank you guys. Well, thank you so much, you guys. I'm Jessica Waite, and this was another op- awesome episode with Homestead Solana Beach. And we can find you on Instagram. Instagram. <laughs> we make it very easy at uh-huh. Homestead Solana Beach. Perfect. Thanks, guys, very much. <laughs> thank, thank you. you.